Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest and greatest episode of Inside the Hexagon. I am your host, as always, Phil Anides, and I want to thank you for taking the time to join us for today's show. On the episode today, we talk with Joe Diesel Riggs, one of my favorite fighters from the mid to late 2000s, always an entertaining combatant. We discuss his original UFC run, which included a Matt Hughes fight, was supposed to be a welterweight title fight, but unfortunately, Diesel did not make weight due to injuries and other issues. Only had about a month to prepare for it. Matt Hughes manager, Monty Cox, threw up some obstacles. So we get into all of that uh, with Diesel. We also talk about the Nick Diaz fight, which was a really big signature win for Riggs. But unfortunately, the aftermath, which included a fight between the two of them at a hospital, uh, really overshadowed that big win for Diesel. And, and you'll hear names like Tim Sylvia and Nate Diaz. And it's, just, it's insanely interesting. And you can hear... Uh, you'll hear a lot of bleeps because Riggs got pretty pretty animated. He still has pretty strong feelings about Diaz. So we get into all of that. And, of course, we brought him on to talk about Strike Force and talk about his fight with Eugene Jackson at the Playboy Mansion. Uh, he talks about prepping for that fight, his respect for Eugene, but also the difficulty of, of grounding and pounding a, a man in front of his son. And so we get into all of that, including what Riggs is up to now. Diesel's planning on having another couple of MMA fights. So it's a very, very intriguing discussion. You're going to enjoy it. So without further ado, let's get to it. All right, on the line with us, we have longtime MMA veteran, uh, truly one of the greats in the sport, Joe Diesel Riggs. Joe, how you doing? Good, how you doing? I'm good. Thanks for taking the time to join us. Uh, so let's let's just jump right in. <laughs> Uh, you know, you were you were 18, four and one when you made your UFC debut against Joe Dirk, uh, Joe Dirksen. You you got a, a big win there. A few fights later, you win the vacant WEC middleweight title, which you know has to be seen as a major of, uh, accomplishment. I mean, you had a ton of fights for a guy that was so young. I mean, you were 22, 23 years old by this point. Uh, you know, what did it mean to you at that point in your career to to get such a, a big title win? Oh uh, man, a lot. I always wanted to. You know, those that was always seen as one of the, uh, you know, like if you were compared to boxing, like, you know, one of the world titles. So yeah, it meant a lot. It, and from there, I mean, you, you go on, you end up becoming the very first guy and only one out of only two fighters to stop Chris lights out Lytle. Uh, and then you get in the UFC and then you get a short notice fight against UFC welterweight champion, Matt Hughes. Uh, it was, you only had about a month to prepare. You ended up missing weight. You had some, I believe some injury issues. You ended up getting submitted uh, in the first round. Looking back, do you think it might've been too much too soon? You wish you'd turn that fight down oh. in order to get more time to prepare? Well, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't really, have, I, I tried to turn the fight down because um, the people I was like, the people who I was training with at, the, at that time, you know, and who I'm still really close with is, you know, everybody who trains with Matt and then, you know, their manager was a guy by the name of Monty Cox. I'm sure you know who he is. Right. Yep. He, he, told, he told everybody not to help me or, or train with me. And so it just, it really, because I had trained with Matt while I was getting getting ready for um, uh, the the Lytle fight. And I had no problem with him in the gym whatsoever. But uh, just mentally, with all that going on, I just wasn't, you know, I was a young kid and just, wasn't ready for I guess wasn't ready for that. you know there's a lot of a lot of a lot of fights in my career that are you know I, I lost based off of um, you know you know mental immaturity and you know things like that you know actually I didn't 
didn't didn't come into my own really until much later in my career. Okay, fair enough. All right. Uh, well, let, let's so let's talk about around that time you had the the Nick Diaz fight. You put on a, a really fantastic performance. Uh, looking back now, do you think that's a, an early signature win? I mean, obviously a big name. How do you view that fight at this point? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was it was a good win. I mean, I think it's it was kind of overshadowed because of the things that transpired after afterwards with the whole hospital. Right, which, which I, want, I do want to get into in just a second. But yeah, on the yeah. On, on the fight itself, uh, you know, a, a huge win for you. Nick was, you know, he'd go on to be an even bigger name, but but obviously was a big name at that point. So that had to feel good, especially coming off the Matt Hughes, you know, the, the Matt Hughes loss. Yeah, definitely. It's always good to, you know, and, and people don't remember back, I mean, the time span between Chris Lytle, Matt Hughes, and Nick Diaz was only four months. Right. And, so they were, they were pretty quick back to back to back, but yeah, it was, it, you know, it always, always, it's the only thing that makes you really feel good after losing a fight is, you know, coming back and getting a good win. Yeah. Well, it definitely wasn't, you touched on, I, I definitely want to dive into that a bit, but you get into a physical altercation with Diaz at the hospital after the bout police, I believe had to get involved and separate you. Uh, I've actually never heard your, your, explanation on that so i'd be very very interested to hear you know what happened from your perspective and kind of are you guys cool now but but what what happened at the time no i hate i hate that mother um he uh i mean he's someone who i who i enjoy i have always enjoyed to watch fight but you know like after the fight um i was because i had broken both of my hands and i was you know because after the fight you know i think it was Hawani was was walking with me. I was, was somebody who was walking, was interviewing me. And, and, you know, Jeremy Horn and Rich Franklin said, that, I remember they had just told me that you fought a good fight, but that wasn't, wasn't near to your potential, you know, cause I had always been able to perform better in the gym for some reason. And so I just kind of regurgitated what they said and he overheard that and started spouting off. And then, you know, you know, because I and the weight cut was hard on me, and then my hands were broken, broken. So when I got there, they they put a an IV in me to get some fluids inside of me, and then he. Uh, so when him and his brother come in, I'm sitting on a gurney, like not laying. I'm just sitting on a gurney with an IV in, and he comes in. I mean, in his face looks like shit. looks like someone just beat him with a bat, but you know, and there's nothing wrong with my face. And then he's like, "Look at you, you can't even get up," and just you know, kept talking. And I just, I was, I, I didn't really even, didn't really have much response until he kept, he just wouldn't shut up. And, and uh, I, I, I was giving um, a urine test to the commission and he was behind me and, uh, and he kept talking. I turned around, I told him to shut the fuck up. You just lost two in a row, go back to WEC or something like that and turn back around. And he, completely I mean, surprises me like I started to turn around because I heard him walking but I like I'm carrying an IV pole and and I have an IV in and he he, he just you know hits me from hits me from behind and you know surprised me and knocked my molar out only two that I've ever lost so he knocked it out so and then we just started fighting from there like that kind of dropped me to one knee and then I pick his, I kind of shoot a double leg on him and pick him up onto us in beds and we hop into a, into like, like a, 
broom closet or something. Jeez. And yeah, it was weird. And then and, and somehow he got his head down to where my my hip was. And I distinctly remember this because I, I couldn't I couldn't even hit him because my hands hurt so bad. And he, he has boots on. I, I was wearing sandals still because he's like fully dressed and I'm wearing like my fight clothes, my, my, my fight shorts and my corner, my corner shirt and everything's full of blood because, you know, I wasn't bleeding. Just he was he was bleeding everywhere. So I hit his blood all over me. And then um, during during all during the altercation in, in the hospital, blood started to spray from somewhere. And I thought I was cut in the face, but it was, I didn't know where it was. And then he had his head, like on my, on my, like where my hip area is, like toe stomping me. And so I was able to start elbowing him, which was good because, like I said, I couldn't punch. And then, like I, I and I didn't, I didn't want to fight. I was, I just got in fighting a hard fight, and my hands were broken. And you know, I, I, I elbowed him. I was probably, I landed a bunch of elbows in his head because he was cut pretty bad in the back of his head. And then I'm like, I, t- I tell his brother, I'm like, dude, get your. F- Really crazy because they had the siren that was going the whole time, so I'm waiting oh for the cops to come. Jeez. And then, and his brother's right there, and Tim Sylvia is right there, and I'm like, and and then Nate started like trying to punch me. I'm like, you want to? So I'm swinging at him, and then like and my my boy Tim is just sitting there. He's the heavyweight champion at the time. He's just sitting there like an idiot, and I'm just <laughs> and so I'm trying to hit both of them at the same time, and then uh, like the cops came, like kind of both pushed us against the wall, and then. Um, like I'm, and I, I, I ended up my pants in the, in the whole, in the whole, you know, in the whole ordeal. And I think it was when I, when I lifted him up in the air, I my pants, but thank God I was still wearing the tight, the tights for my fight. And, uh, so I was in a hurry to get to the bathroom to clean myself up. And, uh, and so they, they let me go to the bathroom. And then I remember Frank Mir was walking with me and he was like, okay and i'm like yeah i shit my pants and he's like i know you smug you smug a turd and and i, I mean things like that stick out my mind because i'm almost sorry i asked about this <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it, it was it, those those I, I gave those shorts to uh tap out to put on their wall and somehow oh, wow. it, man, it, it ended up in the mandalay bay sports gallery and uh, some guy from Phoenix bought them, and they, there was a bunch. There was stains in the back, but you know, after a while, it just looked like blood stains. <laughs> well, Poor guy. That's probably better, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right. Well, um, yeah. Um, like I said, almost sorry I asked about that. Yeah, there you go. That's crazy. So you guys had an extra round, basically, in the in the hospital itself. Jeez. Yeah. Um, well, if that were to happen today, I, I'm sure there'd probably be a lot more you know, repercussions or, I mean, was, did Dana end up getting involved? Was there, you know, fines or anything like that? Or was it just, oh, kind of, oh, it was oh yeah. We got, I think I was fine. Like 30, 30, 30 or something like that. Okay. All right. All right. Well, let, let, let's shift gears. Uh, you had a few more fights, uh, in the UFC after that one, before you headed over, you had a, a one-off in a, a regional promotion, then you head over into strike force. So, uh, you end up getting matched with a fellow UFC veteran, Eugene Jackson at the playboy mansion. And I want to read a quote from you, for the press release. Now I I'm a publicist myself. I know how this normally works. Usually we end up writing the quotes for the fighters and then maybe have them take a, or not maybe, but you're supposed to have them take a look. And I, I remember what I said. I said something like it's new, new school versus old school. That's exactly right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You said I'll quote, I'll read it. So you said it's, it's going to be a classic case of new school versus old school. I'm too talented of a fighter for him to compete with me. I'm just more technical and I'm quicker and I hit harder everything that he's good at. 
I'm better. So it sounds like you, you, you actually, you actually did say that if you remember, uh, yeah, the first part of it. So what do you remember about preparing for your fight with Jackson? This was kind of a fresh start for you. How did you feel coming into it? Um, it was, it was, uh, Eugene, Eugene was always, was someone that was, 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 uh, I played him in the video game, the first video game. Yeah. so I remember I was a kid playing playing the video game, and then um, I always thought he was a you know dangerous 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 fighter. And then you know Jeremy Horn, one of my mentors, you know fought him and couldn't get me much because he had fought him years and years ago in the early UFCs, and uh, you know kind of gave me you know a little bit of background on him. But you know, and then I saw he, he had came back and fought some fights in Strike Force and you know done pretty well 185 but then uh you know I was kind of excited you know it was, but then uh yeah it just was it was just kind of what I said he was just he was you know he was he was I think he was like my age right now how old I am now at the time when I fought him yeah yep. and then and then he he just was was uh him he, he was really strong I mean I, he was he was he was slow I remember I mean I hit him with some big shots in the feet and then we on the ground and I had an arm bar to shoot this yep. really straight out. And he, he like curled me and got out of it. It was weird. Yeah. So I, I remember I was like, he's, he's a strong dude. Well, I want to jump into the fight in, in a second, but I, I did want to ask, you know, this is obviously fighting at the Playboy Mansion, the first ever MMA event. They only did two there and Force held them both. Uh, but yeah, I main event both the cards too. Well, it must have been a pretty unique atmosphere. I mean, anything stick out in your mind as far as fighting there? Uh, yeah, you know, it was, uh, my wife was, was into like that TV show, like the girls next door at the time. So okay. my wife, okay. my wife really liked it. And then like where we warmed up was like, where the, where the, uh, was like the, the tennis courts that they kind of make shifted into a warm up area. And then when they would bring us to the fight area, um, he had all these exotic birds and I don't like birds. And then like, so I was getting ready to come out and they announced my name and this, this huge birds looks like a, looks like, looks like the plant, like the bird of paradise. And I end up like hitting it in the neck. Cause it was, it was, it was getting close to me. I'm like, <laughs> so you punched a of, bird, you punched a bird in the <laughs> neck. Yeah. yeah it, was, <laughs> it, was, it was pure self-defense, but yeah, for some reason that sticks out in my mind the most. Okay. Well, I I can see why, and I'm sure if you got sued for it, that would have held up in court. It was it was self defense. The bird. Yeah, it was it was coming to peck at me. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, as you mentioned, I mean, it, it was a great fight. You, I actually just watched it earlier today. You you dominated Eugene every aspect of the game. Um, you got a really nice left to the face before you took him down, and then you mentioned that armbar, and that was really what stood out to me because it was a very slick transition. You had mount. And then you'd up, you know, sliding over and twisting around for the armbar. And I thought you had him. And then, like you said, he kind of like curls you, and yeah. and you know gets out of it. So I mean, but you were, it was all you. I mean, you 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 know, you were all over him. You got you got him in some really bad positions, and you eventually end up getting the TKO win from strikes. And he just from from mountain, he just didn't really show a, a whole lot. So it, it had to had to been a feel good feeling for you to to get that over. Yeah, you know, a guy a very respectable veteran. That that wasn't uh, wasn't a good feeling. I remember he had his his uh, his son in his corner, mm. and um, you know I, I you know I had a little boy. You know, my my I have a little boy at the time. I did, and then you know I couldn't imagine 
because I mean, I didn't, like, I don't, when I fight, I don't, I, I prefer to ground a pound from someone's, uh, someone's guard than, than full mount. I just thought that's just the way I've always been. And so when I was hitting him, he was, I was in his guard or half guard. And then I remember hitting him and his, his, his head was bouncing off the mat. I look up and I see his son and I was like, oh, oh that man. sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's not, I mean, I, I mean, and he's, Eugene was a real nice guy too afterwards, you know, so, you know, you never want, you never want anybody to get hurt or, you know, especially every kid sees his dad as you know, a hero and that was kind of a thing, but, you know, it's the way the game is. Yeah. Uh, you never want to see him hurt unless apparently it's, it's Nick Diaz, then you probably don't have as much. Yeah. That's, that's the it. only guy I still <laughs> loathe to this point. Oh. But yeah, Jackson, uh, that actually ended up being his final MMA fight. Uh, he was done after that. I know he trained his boys for MMA. I, I don't, I haven't looked into it beyond. I, I remember seeing an article seven or eight years ago about him training his boys. Uh, I'm assuming that they never, you know, never really went anywhere from there, but uh, you know, still a very respected veteran. You, uh, you end up fighting six more times in strike force, including, as we mentioned, the, the second and final playboy mansion show, you got some big wins. Uh, over Luke Stewart. Uh, I think he broke his nose in that one. That was a, a pretty tough fight. Uh, Phil Baroni. Uh, and then you headlined another event for them, uh, a challengers event with uh, Lewis Taylor, who's actually the guy who won uh, the million dollar uh, for, for the PFL, uh, I think last year. So uh, yeah. you know, good, good guy there too, to get a big win over. Um, looking back now, it, what are your thoughts on strike force as a promotion? You again, fought there six times, anything stand out? Did you, uh, you know, any good memories from there? Any overall thoughts on, on your time with the promotion? Yeah, I, I had a lot of good memories of strike force. It was actually, it was, it was just like my, when the first time I left UFC, I, it was my choice in my and I asked to leave and just and because I I was thought, I thought I was getting a big fight with uh, Jake Shields and then because they wanted me to fight um and they wanted me to fight Anderson Silva for his first fight instead of Chris Levin and so I said can you give me a tuna fight and then so I ended up me leaving and then with strike force um like I I thought I mean I I didn't they didn't fight me as, as they didn't fight me enough as I as I wanted to but they still paid me good money they were a good promotion and then I was talking to the UFC at the time and they said um after the Lewis Taylor fight because I think I went I don't think I went like uh I don't know I don't know I think I went like I, I think I, I forget what the record was in strike force but I know I, I finished it like 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 three out of my last four but then, uh, and so, so Joe Silva said he was going to sign me. And then after I won, and then he offers to sign me for $10,000 less than strike forces paying me. Mm. So I was like, Oh God, great. You know, it just serves, serves me right. <laughs> that's the, that's the fight game sometimes. And just, just for clarification. Yeah. You, you had, uh, you beat Luke Stewart and Phil Baroni in strike force. And then you lost to Jay here on, and then you beat Lewis Taylor. So you won three of your last four in strike force and you did have two wins, in regional promotions, um, you know, it, it kind of sandwiched uh, in between those. So, you, you know, you had won five of your last six technically um, before that. And then you end up going to King of the Cage and just got, you end up in Bellator and Pro Elite and just all over the place before you end up going back to the UFC uh, several years later. So, you know, obviously, uh, um, 
I mean, you're, you're one of the most experienced fighters that's still going today, but I want to, I want to transition to today before we wrap things up. So I, I watched one of your bare knuckle fights recently. Uh, I know you're still, you're still doing that, but you, you've fought in ring of combat just as recently as November of 2019. Are you, do you still consider yourself an, an active MMA fighter? Are you full on with bare knuckle? Uh, the, uh, the, re- the reason why I haven't, because uh, you, because my whole career, I've always been very active. Yeah. And I think this is, this is one of the longest layoffs I've had. I, I beat George Sullivan in November and then, That's right. um, um, the reason why I I had um, I was getting ready to fight Hector Lombard and and BKFC, and uh, I ended up hurting my knee. I ended up uh, uh, tearing my ACL from the bone. They had to reconstruct that for my hamstring, and same thing as my with my ACL. I mean my ACL, my MCL, and that a bucket handle tear on my meniscus. So I've that's that's about a year long. It takes about a year to recover from that. So I'm just trying to recover and then. Hopefully, you know, I just want, I'm just looking to get a cut, wanting to, because I, I moved to Montana from Phoenix oh, and okay. uh, I, opened, okay. I opened up my own, I opened up my own gym down here and, um, you know, I want to get a, we want to have a couple more fights, you know, I want to, you know, cause I want to, I still, I still want to fight uh, Hector Lombard and, and Bare Knuckle and I want to fight uh, one or two more MMA fights and, and then I'm done, you know, it's because, you know, I, I was in M1, you know, and I fought like, I, I, I forget how many times I fought, but the only time I lost is I, as I, the only time I lost since I left the UFC is when I, I had a knee injury. And so, you know, and, and it, that's what kind of started the whole thing with my knee. But, you know, I, I, you know, felt probably the best I felt in my life until I hurt my knee. So, you know, if I, you know, when you get in there and you feel you don't like you don't have anymore, you know, it's a thing, you know, but I haven't, I haven't felt that. So, you know, I actually, I felt like I was getting better with age, you know, and if, I don't know if it was, if it was, uh, you know, necessarily physically, you know, I, I didn't feel, I felt good physically, but I just mentally things were more clear, you know, I could do things more, you know, you know, was the guy, guys in M1, guys in Russia, you know, people never heard of them, but, you know, fighting a guy with a 15 to one record and you know they're all really really good and you know i was fighting all those guys down there and doing very well well yeah and i looked it up while you were talking you're three and four, uh three and one in m1 the only loss was um against uh it was a uh, due to a leg injury and that was actually for the m1 middleweight championship uh in 2018 so and then you've won three straight fights uh since that one but um actually you <laughs> As I'm reading this, there's actually one called Fusion Fight League Diesel's Last Ride, and you won the uh, the light heavyweight championship. Where just a quick question, that was in Montana. Were you planning on retiring after that, and and then deciding no, to no. stay in the game? The, the promoter, I, I he he kept he kept saying that. And I was like, why you? I have con- I have contracts with with uh with I still with them with I still had at the time with M1, um and and uh, I I saw the contract I saw an open contract with. BKFC, and then I still have a um, it's 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 an open ended contract with UFC. I still have they have like three more months if they want to use me, they can, and if not, they can just not choose to and send me the rest of my money. But you know, I still have you know a certain amount of you know things I have to do, and then I don't know why the the promoter was saying that whole the whole point of me fighting down here was because because I was open, I was going to open up a gym and kind of. Yeah. Build up your local, build up your local, you know, appeal type thing, so you can get your gym going. There you go. 
Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, uh, we're, we're just about done here. We got about, so you got, I mean, it's crazy. You get 70 fights and that's not including bare knuckle and you've got, you're, you're 37 years old. So you're, I mean, you're actually a year younger than me and you've got, you know, 70 pro MMA fights. Uh, and, and now you're talking about hanging it up and, and again, still only 37, but with so much mileage on your body, you know, definitely understandable, but looking back through all those fights, this may be difficult to do, but if there's one that stands out, whether it's a, a win or a loss, but just one fight that stands out is like this. If you were to, you know, somebody say, Hey, I want to know what Joe diesel Riggs is all about. What, what is the one fight that you would point them to, to watch? I'd probably say the, the fight with Chris Lytle, you know, just because that's that, you know, showcase, you know, I, I, I did things standing up that I wanted to do. And then, you know, personally, I think I have the best ground pound in the world. Um, you know, but I think it's better than Khabib's or anybody else's and, you know, and, and, it shows that too. And, and Chris Lytle is a guy that's, you know, very tough, you know, like I'm the only guy that, that, that's ever finished him, I think. Yeah. And, there, was, uh, there was actually looked at it. There's one other guy later in his career um, that, that finished him, but yeah, you were the first one. I, no, I, think, I, think, yeah, I remember, I remember, I think it was Thiago Alves. It was, it was, uh, was, it was, was Thiago Alves. Yep. was getting beat up and got cut. Yep. You know, that's when, right. When I, when I fought him, I think they even say it was a cut, but he was, knocked out from the elbow from the bottom he was out of my chest you know i mean he was i mean but but either way you know it was uh you know, it's still chris a big is, accomplishment no matter what it's still a big accomplishment. yeah chris is a good friend of mine he's a he's a great fighter too so yeah that's uh i mean and then and, and i don't know the fight to say that one and then the, my ufc debut was you know personally those are probably the most gratifying wins you know they were you know because everybody wants to make it to ufc and Going and doing that. I actually, you know, take that back. I think, uh, you know, winning the fight master is probably, probably one of the best things because I, I didn't think I was going to be able to stay the entire time because I already always had a problem being away from my family and I was able to go, go do uh, not a 16 man tournament, but a 32 man tournament and, um, you know, win the whole thing and then having to cut 207 to 170 every week. And uh, still come out on top was a pretty pretty big accomplishment for me. Absolutely. Well, you, you've definitely had some big career highlights. There's no doubt. Uh, there's other ones that you know we wouldn't even have time to go into. It's a pretty amazing career. So, uh, Joe, hopefully we see you back in the the ring and hopefully back in the cage as well. But uh, appreciate you taking the time to be on the show today. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll have to catch up again soon. Well, thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. You have a good day. All right, I want to thank my very special guest, Joe Diesel Riggs, for taking the time to join us for today's show. Hope that you enjoyed that conversation. Uh, I appreciate his time. It was very, very interesting, and, and I really enjoyed talking with him. Uh, maybe we'll have him back on in the show at a future date, but I hope that you liked it as well. Coming up on Inside the Hexagon, we are going to cover the Four Men Enter, One Man Survives, One Night Tournament. Very, very interesting. This was the very first uh, MMA tournament to be sanctioned in the state of California. Uh, so we get into all of that. The winner of that one-man tournament was George Santiago, and Santiago has agreed to come on the show, so we'll be interviewing him soon. 
Hope that you will tune in for that. Uh, we get to talk about his absolutely brutal knockout over Sean Salmon. Uh, it was, in fact, uh, Salmon had to be taken out on a, on a stretcher. Uh, we also talk about his big TKO win over a very, very tough Trevor Prangley. So we get into all of that as well as the other fights on the card. So I hope that you're looking forward to that because I am. Uh, going beyond that, we're going to have gorgeous George Garcia from MMA Junkie Radio on the show to discuss Strike Force's influence from a talent perspective on the UFC and Bellator. Very interesting conversation. We've already spoken. It was a great chat. You're going to love some of the stories that George gets into. He even talks about the Playboy Mansion show because he was there live and in person. Shares a lot of other little stories. So really, really cool stuff. You're going to love that episode. So make sure you don't miss that. And then also we are scheduled to interview Kung Lee. Very, very soon we're going to talk about uh, the fight between Kung and Frank Shamrock and what a pivotal about that was in his career as well as strike force history so we've got some really really cool stuff uh, coming down the pipe so i hope that you enjoy that we also have a potential bonus episode i'm not going to say who the name is because uh, while he has shown interest we haven't locked anything down yet so i want to wait until that's locked down before i mention it but that's going to be a very very intriguing episode if it does happen but i have lots of stuff coming up hope that you're enjoying what we're putting out Hope that you're also following us on social media. You can uh, you can find us at Inside the Hexagon Pod on Instagram. Same, you can look that up on on Twitter as well, or just at Hexagon Pod on Twitter. But we would love for you to to follow us. We tweet out uh, various content and images every day. So hope that you're enjoying that. Hope that you have checked out our my recent interview or, or recent profile with Fightful MMA. Uh, that was a I really enjoyed talking with Shaquille on that. That was a great chat. Uh, you can also reach me if you do have feedback at, at phil at insidethehexagon.com. Would love to hear from you. Hope that you've rated and reviewed the show. We've seen some new ratings come up recently, and, and I'm really excited about that. Helps others find the show. But we would love to get your direct feedback. So if you can, tweet us or, or, or email me, and, and I would love to hear your thoughts on the show. But with that, we're going to go ahead and ride off into the sunset. Hope that you stay safe and you stay healthy, and we will see you soon. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning, or have never even heard of paddle, or padel, as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the Pro Tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Vamos!